Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. I'm glad to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting item indeed to take a look at. If you'll gaze upon the shelf over here, you might see various figurines and statues, but there's one statue in particular. It's an idol from an age gone by. It may look like a bull's head with outstretched arms over fire. This is an idol of a creature mentioned in the Bible, also mentioned in literature like John Milton's Paradise Lost. This idol is the idol of Moloch. Considered to be one of the greatest warriors of Satan's fallen angels, John Milton's Paradise Law says, First Moloch whored king besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears. Moloch is a figure of fear and human sacrifice and also used as a social and political allegory from time to time but it is the fear and sacrifice we are looking at in today's episode of odds bodkins curiosity shop and the movie that bears this creature's name so let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new shutter film moloch as I said, Moloch is a figure. It's, you find references to Moloch in the Bible, in literature like Paradise Lost. It's used in several times in the uh, Hebrew Bible. And Moloch in the Punic language means sacrifice. And Moloch has always been uh, referred to in reference uh, to sacrifice uh, a lot of times with child sacrifice. So when I found out Shudder had a, a new film called Moloch, I was like, okay, this has some potential to be really creepy. And I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. Of course, this is a Dutch-English film. Uh, it takes place in the northern part of the Netherlands, and so you get a mixture. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting that they did a lot of, of the Dutch language when, like, the main character, Beatrix, uh, is speaking with her parents, speaking with her daughter, speaking with uh, people around her in her, her own little circle, but then when you get these archaeologist types that come in, uh, when you have interaction there, they speak English. So it was, you know, it's one of those things. If you don't like uh, reading subtitles, and I hated reading subtitles for the longest time, but I realized I was kind of messing out on some really cool movies. So as I started to suck it up, and now it's kind of like second nature. Uh, I still would rather have, you know, hear the English language. It's easier for me to pay attention to what else is going on. But reading subtitles isn't a deal breaker for me. And it was it was kind of interesting. You know, sooner or later, you're sitting there reading subtitles and then all of a sudden you realize you don't have to anymore. And it's kind of like you can take a breath. So it, that was kind of an interesting aspect of the movie. And, and it felt and lent itself to being you know, true to what life would be like in in a place like the Netherlands. 
you get to hear that Dutch language, which would be a part of the everyday life. But, uh, you know, for a lot of countries uh, over in Europe and, and, and further east, uh, you know, here in the United States, most of us are lucky if we barely grasp the English language. Uh, but, you know, in a lot of these European countries, uh, English is kind of taught as a second language. So it's not out of the ordinary for some of these countries to have people that are, are well-versed in English. And, of course, this character, Beatrick, uh, spent some time in New York City and, and in America. So there's a, a good reason for her, even beyond the fact that a lot of European countries, people learn English as a second language but the film is directed by nico vandenbrink uh it's also written by him and uh, i'm gonna say dan baker there's some extra letters in that but <laughs> uh they wrote this and i i have to say that i for the most part was pretty well pleased with this it had enough atmosphere and enough creepiness. Maybe not a ton of scares, per se. I mean, there were some jump scares. But really, it didn't get really scary until the end of it. And I'm going to say that right now. So if you want to go watch this and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, that's about as spoiler-free as I'm going to get with a review. But from here on out, uh, we are going to talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, I encourage you to go watch the movie on Shudder, and then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. I, I, I don't think, it's not going to be your favorite movie, but I think you're going to enjoy it enough, some of the aspects of it enough. So uh, from here on out, spoilers. But we start this movie off with this little girl. She's kind of locked in this pantry, and you hear things going on upstairs. Uh, she's sitting there feeding this mouse little pieces of bread or a cookie or something, and uh, it, it's quite cute. And then you hear the disturbance up above her, and you see some of the uh, dust and dirt falling through the cracks of these wood plank floors. And then all of a sudden, you hear this this big slam on the floor up above, and and then blood dripping through and you're wondering what the hell is going on and we we find out later that it is the main character uh Beatrix. she as a, a young child uh, we fast forward this i believe happened in 1991 fast forward to today uh she is a mother uh with a young child probably not too much older than she was when she had this experience and, and we find out that it was her grandmother that was killed, uh, her grandmother's blood that was dripping through the, uh, dripping through the floors. And so she's now living with her parents, uh, with her daughter. Her husband had died some time ago, and she's kind of dealing with the aftermath of that. She's kind of helping take care of her parents. Her father's taken to alcohol ever since the events of what happened. And it's really a big mystery as to what happened in 1991. But ever since then, her father's been an alcoholic, and her mother is uh, prone to these seizures that nobody can really explain. She constantly goes to the doctors, but she can't really explain why she's going through these seizures. And then we're introduced to uh, Jonas. He is an archaeologist. I'm, I'm assuming these are archaeologists. I, I never really got a good, clear sense of what they were, why they were there. But the bog next to uh, Beatrix's home 
is being excavated and they're finding these very old, although fairly well preserved for dead bodies, but these women, they're finding these almost mummified women buried in this bog and they're trying to find out what happened. And then of course, Jonas and Beatrick, they spark up a, a friendship and then that, it turns into a love interest sort of thing, but towards the end, they kind of butt heads and it's kind of a love-hate thing, but they really don't focus on the relationship between these two other than just solving the mystery of what is going on. Now, these two actors that play these characters, uh, main character Beatrick, Sally Harmonson, she, uh, she hasn't done a ton that you're probably familiar with, although she did play one of the female replicants in Blade Runner 2049. You might be a little more familiar with the gentleman that plays Jonas, Alexander William. He played the Tom Marilyn uh, character from The Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. He was only in a couple episodes. I, I think we might see this character again. I think he played a little bit bigger role in the books than than in The Wheel of Time, but I'm, I'm expecting we'll probably see this character again. So not actors that I am really vastly familiar with, but the acting was really good in this. I, I was quite pleased with the acting because a lot of times, uh, when you watch some of these Shutter originals or some of these smaller streaming services, when they have originals, uh, you know, usually they're buying up some of the less expensive properties out there. And you don't always get good acting. You don't always get good cinematography. Uh, you don't always get good directing. And sometimes the stories suffer. Not all of them. I mean, I've, I've seen several really good movies on Shudder, but then I've also seen several movies that are just kind of, they, they feel really cheap and and not very well done. But this was not one of those. This one looked really good. It had really solid actors. I'm not sure how well known a lot of these actors are in the Netherlands and how much of a resume they've got in, in the Netherlands. But as far as this movie goes, I was really pleased with all the actors. And there's a there's a bunch of different characters that you get into. Uh, you get the mother and the, the father who have kind of a, uh, a an interesting relationship with Beatrick. The father is kind of the you know, the crazy old coot that's always running around getting into to mischief. And they seem to have a very close relationship. Uh, Beatrick and her mother seem to have a, a little more strained relationship because of the illness that Beatrick's mother has that she just kind of blows off. And Beatrick is trying to get her help that she needs. And there's also this strained relationship between these two because Beatrick's mother won't tell Beatrick what happened to uh, Beatrick's grandmother back in 1991. Now, the story kind of launches into the mystery of all this when uh, out of nowhere, some stranger, at least to Beatrick's family, this stranger shows up and attacks them and is trying to kill Beatrix's mother. Now, we find out that this is one of the workers on Jonas's dig site, and it, it almost seems like he's possessed. And, and this is kind of a theme throughout the rest of the film, where people get possessed and are trying to kill Beatrix's mother or attack Beatrix's uh, family's home. It's at this time that uh, Beatrix starts to hear things, whispers, 
And not just Beatrick, but other people have mentioned whispers. There's a gentleman whose son who dies of exposure, kind of a homeless bag man that, that we meet very early on, that we meet very early on, uh, who was rumored to be hearing voices. I believe uh, one of the one of Jonas's workers uh, was hearing voices before he uh, attacked Beatrick's uh, family's home. So something's causing people to start hearing voices. And there's also talk of this festival the whole town is getting prepared for. And I don't think it's early on. I think it's probably somewhere closer to the middle that we learned this. But we hear this tale about a lord of the local lands from long ago. He was having an affair with one of the handmaids of his wife. And his wife found out and was going to kill the handmaid. Uh, the handmaid prayed to God to save her, but it wasn't God that showed up. It was Moloch. And Moloch said that he would help her, but she would, essentially she would pay. She would pay with her daughter and her daughter's daughter. And then, you know, the, the line of secession, all the children from here on out. And then, of course, when it came time for the handmaiden to be killed, she ended up killing herself by slitting her own throat from top to bottom. And essentially insinuating that the spirit of the handmaiden went into the lord of the land's wife and it's kind of implied that maybe even the spirit of moloch as well and this town celebrates this every year so as they're getting ready for this big celebration with parades and the kids do a little play and a little song and dance and everybody's got funny masks and things like that uh, we see Beatrick experiencing some weird things. There's these voices that she hears. There's a little bit with a girl in a hospital elevator that's kind of weird. And you get a little bit of one of the scarier-ish moments. It wasn't terribly frightening, but it, it did well enough to set a bit of unease where it's like a, a metal walls inside of this elevator and she's seeing her own reflection. And as she moves out of the way, she sees the reflection of something behind her, uh, essentially Moloch. It, it was it was quite creepy, not terribly scary, but but it was a, a creepy moment. And like I said, really kind of helped to, to ratchet up the tension. But the bit with the little possessed girl was just kind of confusing because it's never really clear whether it's Moloch, whether it's the uh, landlord's wife, whether it's the handmaiden's spirit that's kind of possessing her. And it just really felt like they were using the little kid uh, because little possessed kids are creepy. And it, it really didn't feel like it fit in with the story or what we're supposed to be worried about as far as the, the big bad of the story. Moloch. And speaking of, you have kind of this subplot where the father, uh, Beatrix's father, is setting up these trail cams all over their property and traps trying to catch whatever. He keeps seeing things outside the window, keeps feeling like there's some sort of presence that is outside on their property. Uh, they kind of allude to the fact that it would be Moloch. There's a picture that's very blurry and, and you can't really see anything, but maybe a face. They, they really don't dive a whole lot into that, which made it really seem kind of superfluous. It just felt like something for the dad to do until the very end of the movie. And they never really pay off these trail cams that he's setting up to, to get a picture of whatever's out there. Moloch. But really, the whole base of the movie and the whole length of the movie is just 
all really kind of a slow setup. I can't even say it really, it's a slow burn. It's just a very slow setup to get to the finale. And it, I, I don't, I want to say not in a bad way, but in some regards it was kind of in a bad way. It was very slow and I, I just wanted to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, you were learning things. I mean, the more... Uh, Beatrix is investigating Moloch and what's going on with these bodies that they found. And Jonas is trying to help her, but even he doesn't really help all that much. And it's all just a slow crawl till we get to the climax of the whole thing. Someone else comes into Beatrix's home to kill the mother and the father comes to rescue them. Beatrix's mother goes upstairs. Beatrix goes upstairs. The father comes upstairs and uh, sees Beatrix tied down. And then next thing you know, the mother puts a noose around his neck and pushes him over the stairs and hangs him and dies. And, and we see Beatrix's mother with her eyes all white signifying she's possessed and then she she goes into the room where Beatrix tied down and these people come in townspeople with these masks on of woodland creatures stags and whatnot and they surround and they're chanting and Beatrix's mother slits her own throat from top to bottom and she collapses and as Beatrix is lying there screaming. She's got a gag. She's all tied up to this bed. Uh, all of a sudden, you see this creature rise from where her mother was. And it's reminiscent of a drawing that Beatrix's daughter had drawn that Beatrix had found. Very creepy, scraggly hair, hollow eyes. Uh, just the kind of stuff, if, if you've got a kid and they're drawing things like that, you want to look into what's going on. Check their closet. Check under their bed. Check wherever they're playing because you got some creepy shit going on. But this this creature rises, tall, spindly arms, and kind of screams. And Beatrix does this convulsion, this seizure, like her mother did. And then by the time Jonas shows up, everything's gone. He unties Beatrix, and uh, things kind of fade to black. And we kind of jump forward in time, where Beatrix and her daughter have come to see Jonas. He's suggesting that they maybe move into a guest house that he has on this new property that he bought. And Beatrix doesn't really want to have anything to do with him now. And, and he's kind of taken aback by this uh, because they had a relationship going on. It was a little rocky towards the end, but they had a relationship. They had bog sex. <laughs> sex beside this bog which i'm sure would have been gross with uh, mud and dirt getting everywhere and probably creepy crawlies probably not the best place to bang one out but hey you know what uh, to each his own but they they had bog sex so they had a relationship and all of a sudden she doesn't want anything to do with him it's funny because you hear this story when they first really, not when they first meet, but they were when they're first becoming friends and starting to get to know each other, they're talking about parents and stuff like that. And Beatrix tells this story about how her mother will just take things that she doesn't need uh, just because it's free. And she points to sugar packets on the counter of the bar and how, you know, she'll take all these sugar packets. She doesn't need him. But because they're free, she'll take them. And I, I can understand that, you know. <laughs> I, I know uh, my, my mother-in-law and my mother are both, uh, if it's not nailed down, if it's free at the restaurant, uh, they're going to take some. <laughs> but 
you hear that story and you don't think anything of it until Beatrix is about to leave with her daughter, leave Jonas at this little cafe. And before she does, she reaches down and takes one of the packs of sugar and puts it in her pocket. Jonas realizes what's going on is that this is this almost cult-like thing uh, with this town. Uh, they sacrifice, they're essentially sacrificing the younger generation of this particular family to Moloch. And Moloch has been taking over the body of, of women in this family for, for generations. That's what happened to Beatrix's grandmother, is that Beatrix's grandmother uh, facilitated this, and Moloch went into Beatrix's mom. And now Beatrix's mom has facilitated this sacrifice, uh, sacrificing herself so Moloch could go into Beatrix. And the horror of this ending is knowing that one day, Beatrix is going to do this. She is going to slit her own throat and allow Moloch to go from inside of her into her daughter. It's not going to be until many years down the road when Beatrix's daughter has a daughter of her own, but you know it's going to happen eventually. So this was a movie that I, I really, I, th I think I wanted to enjoy it more than I did. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it to a degree. Like I said, it was really slow moving. But some of the slow moving nature of it, some of the reveals, while it was slow getting to it, it was interesting. You made made you wonder what was coming up next. What is what's going on here? And that I think is really where the movie kind of was a little disappointing because I don't think the writers of the movie really knew exactly where they wanted to go with this because they really felt like there was a lot of elements in here because it was one part okay there's a demon but then there almost felt like there was a vengeful spirit component to this they kept referring to she's back and and it, it really wasn't clear whether there was a spirit out there that was not Moloch. It, like I said, there's one part demon, one part vengeful spirit. There's the soul transference uh, aspect of it, a la uh, Skeleton Key or Get Out. There was just a lot of elements to this that it never really felt like it's going in this one direction. It felt like there was several different directions it wanted to go, and it really didn't commit to any of those. And And I got to chalk that up to the fact that it is a director writing his own material. Uh, sometimes that works. You know, you got a guy like Jordan Peele who writes his own movies. And a lot of, I mean, for the most part, uh, in his three film feature films that he's done, it's worked. They have not been perfect films. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they do, like especially Us and the latest one, Nope. There are aspects of it that really could have used, I think, an editor's hand. Somebody to say, now let's keep this focused and not go off on this tangent. Uh, but for the most part, Jordan Peele is great at writing his own material. There's a lot of directors like that that can can write their own material and self-edit and keep things focused. Others can't. And not to say this was badly directed because I think the director, Nico Vandenbrink, did a great job with that. I just really wish he and Dan Baker would have just focused this script a little more because it really felt like there were different directions they wanted to go 
And none of them really felt like red herrings either. It wasn't like a plot point or a plot device that they're trying to lead you in one direction. And here it's another thing. It just never really felt uh, like they could decide whether they wanted this to be about uh, ghost, vengeful spirits, demons. And it really didn't come together to say it was a little bit of all of it. There were so many different elements of the scares that felt like they didn't have any connective tissue with some of the other elements going on. A lot of the scares felt like, okay, we're going to we're gonna do this scene because it's going to be scary, and then we'll just kind of retrofit it into the story somehow. And like I said, just wasn't a lot of connective tissue to some of these things. And, and one of the things I was also disappointed on is because they set up this whole thing like the town is in on it. you got the townspeople in that final scene, that climax scene, and they never really give you any inclination that the town is is in on anything uh, it almost kind of had like a lottery feel like you know this town is is in on sacrificing somebody every year for the crops or, or what have you uh, there's also no reason for the sacrifice for the town to be in on the sacrifice other than that it's the way it's always been and that could have been something interesting to play on because, you know, small town life, that's that's the way things are in small town life. You know, uh, shitty things go on and, and secrets are hidden and secrets are kept because that's just the way it is. Uh, growing up in rural Pennsylvania, I know all about that. Uh, I've seen that in a lot of the communities around. So that would have been something cool to play on, but they didn't even really touch on the fact that why were these townspeople uh, a part of this sacrifice? And, and why was Moloch possessing people or the, or the spirit of the lady, not sure if it's the handmaiden or the Lord's wife, whatever. <laughs> Again, it's all kind of a gray area that they never really uh, explain expl explicitly or even give you an inclination one way or the other. But why was Moloch possessing people to go kill Beatrix's mother when Beatrix's mother was just going to kill herself? But then again, I guess Moloch did possess Beatrix's mother, and that's why she killed herself. It's there's just like a lot of uh, a lot of story that really wasn't explained, and I I'm not one to think that everything has to be explained. But I do like there to be some rhyme or reason, and we never really get any rhyme or reason as to why things are happening on the screen, other than that they are happening, and it's supposed to be scary, and boo. And I, and I hate to say that because, like I said, I did enjoy the movie. Uh, is it my favorite movie? No. Is it a great movie? No. But it was it was an okay movie. It was a good movie. I mean, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, it had a lot of atmosphere. It had a really good look, kind of that dark, overcast look, uh, a look that felt like this place is haunted. Uh, it did kind of have that trope of the mist on the ground all the time, which, you know, maybe in this neck of the Netherlands, uh, that's commonplace. They live next to a bog, so, you know, you got to imagine there's probably going to be a lot of misty areas around there. But that really kind of led to it being a very atmospheric movie and, and gothic in a very ungothic way. Uh, I mean, this wasn't like an old creepy house or anything like that. It wasn't ghosts per se, but uh, but it kind of almost had kind of the inkling of a gothic feel to it. Like I said, with the misty grounds and the ghosts of the past kind of coming back to haunt this family. It did very much feel like a mixture between folk horror and, and gothic horror. Like I said, there weren't a ton of 
big scares. There weren't a lot, ton of scary moments. There was a couple. Like I said, the elevator scene was one. There was one where, I, and I hate this, it was a jump scare that was like one of those fake-out jump scares where you think it's going to be something in a, the window, and here it's just a reflection of her dad behind her. Uh, that was kind of cheap. Uh, the stuff at the end, like I said, with the creature, the woman creature, that was at the end of the bed that Beatrice was on. Uh, that was some scary shit right there. Uh, that was creepy. The creature design on that was really cool and odd, and almost felt like like something out of a Stephen Gamel illustration from like scary stories to tell in the dark. It, it was creepy, and I really dug the creature design on this this being this. Uh, I don't know whether it was a ghost or it was a creature or what was going on there. Some sort of embodiment of Moloch. Uh, it wasn't clear, but it really was creepy and scary. So uh, I, I didn't mind the ambiguity to it. But all in all, the movie was okay. It had a lot of atmosphere, a lot of creepiness, not a ton of scares, but the scares it did get were really good effective and really good there weren't many of them like i said and this is a very slow paced movie uh not until you get to the very end of it maybe the last like 10 15 minutes of it it is a slow trudge through this movie but there's enough interesting things there's enough of the mystery to keep you engaged uh i, I didn't feel bored watching it but i'm like oh geez when when's the when's the scares i mean what what's going on how is this you know, I'm just looking for some dots to connect, and I really didn't get anything because, like I said, it really felt like they were going in too many different directions, and none of it really connected. Now, suffice it to say, uh, I do think some of the things kind of loosely connected by the end, but you really kind of had to think about it and really put the puzzle pieces together to have it all really make sense in relationship towards the ending. But I I guess now that I think about it, there was some loose connection, but you know, until you get there, until after it's all said and done, you really don't feel like much connects at all. I think the movie was worth a watch. If you, you don't have anything better to watch, you want to watch something with some creepy uh, aspects to it, I, I think Moloch is a good watch. Like I said, it's not going to be your favorite film. And if you hate slow-moving films, it's not going to be your favorite film. You're not even going to like it. Uh, but I enjoyed it well enough. I thought it had a good enough look and an interesting enough cast and the story. I think it was a good basis for a story. I think it just needed fleshed out a little better. But it makes me interested to see more of Nico Vandenbrink's work because I thought he did a good job as a director. From a directing standpoint, I, I liked how the movie, outside of the pace, uh, I liked how it looked and I liked the direction of the actors and all of that. So that's my look at Moloch. You can check it out on Shudder. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on this film. You can find out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. Uh, you can stay up to date with all the latest trailers from movies and series. Uh, we're going to talk about the things or write about the things that uh, I'm having come up on future episodes. Always sharing articles about horror, fantasy, and sci-fi from all over the internet. Always sharing what I can there. and You'll get my two cents on these things and a whole lot more. So check that out. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe, download it, uh, share it with your friends, family, neighbors, anybody that you know that loves genre, horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, all that good stuff. And please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. Uh, but we appreciate any feedback you give us. So until next time. 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!